morning and good afternoon. Good morning and good afternoon, depending on wherever you at the time of this recording. This is episode fifty-eight of the Restricted Zone podcast, and I'm with my fellow co-host today and the special guest, uh, Jamar. Introduce yourself, Mar. What's up, everybody? Thanks for having me, Colin. Let's have another good episode. Let's have another good episode, indeed. Chris, introduce yourself, man. How's everybody doing today? Let's get this drum rocking. Yes, absolutely. Kyrie, introduce yourself, man. Yo, what's going on, fellas? Glad to be back. Let's get it going. Absolutely. Kendrick, Swaggy K, introduce yourself, man. Yo, you know, it's me, the smartest one in the group, as always. Indeed, indeed. Jonah, the special guest, the comeback kid. Come on, Jonah, introduce yourself, man. Like that, man. You don't got to go special guest, man. But thank y'all for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Right, but it's definitely a, a big NFL episode. Uh, so a lot of stuff is happening in the NFL offseason. Uh, so much from the quarterback changes to the new recently uh, fired. Uh, a lot of changes in the offseason between the signings, the teams picking up uh, certain players that we think in our respective minds could be an impact for that team and their fortune. But I'm going to let Jonah take over and mediate. Go ahead, Jonah. Yeah, um, you're just going to get over like just the – Big, like, big, big stories, like the big um, signings with Devontae Adams and the trade with Tyreek Hill, Sean Watson, his contract, Russell Wilson and that trade with Seattle and Denver. But first, got to start with the breaking news that just broke just minutes ago before we went on air. Um, at the time of this recording, Bruce Arians has retired as the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It is believed that Todd Bowles will be taking over. Um, it makes the most sense. Todd Bowles is, is an incredible defensive coordinator, a, an incredible defensive-minded coach. Um, it makes a lot of sense to want to stay within the organization instead of going through the whole rounds of trying to find a new head coach right before the draft. So um, just first thoughts. Anybody, the floor is open to all of you guys right now. Just first thoughts on Bruce Arians and the timing of this announcement, considering that Tom Brady just announced about a month ago that he's coming back to play one more year? Uh, I'll go first. Um, One thing is Bruce Arians did retire as the head coach, but he is, I think, I think I've read somewhere um, when it just came out that uh, he might be moving to the front office. So he's still going to be with the organization, but he's just stepping down as the head coach. But uh, one thing I feel like, I feel like that may be a reason why Tom Brady came back. Uh, because I've like I read somewhere in certain um in certain articles that there was like kind of tension between that between um Bruce Arians and Tom Brady at times, and so like maybe that was the reason why maybe he knew that oh he's going to step down so Tom's like oh I'll come back and then and this is also another good thing um for the organization as well having possibly having Todd Bowles come in and step in as a head coaching because this is gonna be their fourth minority coaching and you know we always need more minority head coaches in the NFL to show what they can do. And that's another uh helpful thing for the Buccaneers because they uh they can get another compensation pick for having for having a minority in like a in a lead role. So I feel like it's overall all good things happening for the organization. Absolutely. And this is a move that's not just, you know, um, naming Todd Bowles, the potential next head coach. I feel like that's not just a move to make just for the sake of making it for, you know, whatever political reasons or, you know, just for race reasons. Like he's he is like the guy. 
he is, he has the qualifications for that head coaching job. So um absolutely excited for him, happy for him. And uh yeah, I mean the Buccaneers you, you thought you thought they were dead. You thought, you know, it was over for them and here they are. They're gonna be right back in the mix for the NFC. Um Chris, your thoughts? Uh, to be honest, the first thing that came to my mind was unexpected. Uh, I did hear, like I just said, reports of Brady and Aries possibly having a confrontations and there throughout the season or throughout their tenure as quarterback coach relationship wise goes. But I still didn't think that it would come to a point where Bruce Aries would retire like this just unexpectedly and then move to the front office. Uh, but I mean, also, it's not. This isn't something that's going to hurt the Buccaneers in any way. Because I mean, yes, uh, yes, Aaron's is a really good coach, but also was Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is a defensive minded coach, and he was the defensive coordinator for the team. So it's not like they got somebody brand new, brought him in, and they had to learn a whole new system. They just brought somebody in that was already part of the coaching staff, and now he's just going from being a defensive coordinator to the head coach. So I mean, like I said, for me, it, the news was just unexpected. But I mean, this doesn't hurt the Buccaneers in any way. But on the bright side, like I just said. It's not just have another black coach in the NFL, so big ups for that. Colin, your thoughts? Uh, one thing, I, I do want to piggyback over what Chris said. It was kind of a surprise, but I will say that what he's doing, uh, he, the team, the Tampa Buccaneers, they're in great shape. Uh, Tom Brady coming back, obviously, is definitely uh, something great for any coach, you know, despite, how old is Tom Brady, 44, 45? And he's still one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I just feel like this is a move for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers to, you know, I think they'll still be contenders. Um, I think it's, it's a good team overall. He's not taking over a bad team with a guy like Tom Brady spearheading everything. Uh, it's not really to be – it shouldn't be a difficult season. They shouldn't really have too many losses. But it's definitely, so far in my opinion, I think it's a good move. Jamar, do you think that uh, the Buccaneers are still – a top team, a top contender in the NFC moving forward? Um, yeah. With with or without Bruce Arians, I feel like they'll, they'll still be contenders. When you have Tom Brady, I mean, he isn't, I still don't think he's that, like, Tom Brady, where it's like, if he's, like, losing bad, you can be like, okay, he might come back. He. He's starting to fall off from that type of Tom Brady, but he's still, like Colin said, he could still be top quarterback in the league. So I feel like they'll be okay. They'll be all right. But just like everybody else, I was caught off guard with the news, too. I I didn't see it coming at all. But I still think they'll be all right in the long run. And, Curry, I'll finish with you. Do you think that this season coming up is – the Buccaneers' last chance at contending for a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. That's that's kind of hard to answer right now. Uh, I feel like it really depends on whether or not Tom Brady comes back because if you, unless you replace him with another top five, top ten quarterback, then I don't really see anybody else bringing this team to to a Super Bowl or close to it. So that'd be kind of that's kind of hard to answer right now. But as far as what they how they're looking this season, I think they're going to be good still uh, with Todd Bowles, a defensive minded coach, manning that defense once again, or manning the whole team now. But he's maintained having one of the top defenses in the league for the past couple of years. And I've seen this as a move where the Buccaneers probably 
felt the threat of Ty Bowles possibly leaving these uh, these past couple off seasons. He had a lot of teams lining up to to get interviews with him and try to bring him into their programs. But I think this is this was just a move to secure their uh, their future. Now, whether or not this is a championship team now, uh, or they they still have championship aspirations past this season, I'm not sure. Uh, we're really going to see how this full, uh, unfolds. We got to see how Tom Brady plays under Todd Bowles as being the head coach, and if Bruce Arians can, uh, can I guess make the moves that are uh, that are needed to keep the to keep the Tampa Bay Buccaneers afloat and keep them uh, in that championship talk. So again, Bruce Arians stepping down from the role as head coach. He is staying within the organization. He'll be moving into the front office. Um, that role, that specific role is, we don't know what it is yet, but he is staying within the Tampa Bay organization. Todd Bowles is now presumably your new head coach of the Buccaneers. So let's move on to the AFC because before the breaking news popped off, just right before we um, were about to come on here, we were planning on talking about the AFC and just all the wild moves, trades, signings that are going on in the AFC. And I want to start with possibly the biggest story of the offseason, and that's Deshaun Watson. He is out of Houston. He is now signing with the Cleveland Browns in a, in a shocker because we know Atlanta and Carolina were the two teams who were, of all the suitors, they were the ones heavily going after Deshaun Watson, and in a shocker, he chose the Cleveland Browns. He signed a five-year $230 million deal with the Browns. That contract is fully guaranteed. Every cent of that contract is fully guaranteed. It's the highest paying contract in NFL history. Um, Colin, first thoughts on this. Is this an overpay by Cleveland? Um, did they make the right move going after this Deshaun? Did Houston make the right move finally letting go with him? What's your thoughts on that? Well, uh, I'm going to start off with the Houston one. I think Houston and Deshaun Watson, uh, their relationship was pretty much beyond repair, right? Uh, there was nothing else for Texans to look for. Watson and Watson had nothing to look for in the Texans. So it was a move that, uh, eventually it had to come. Uh, to the Browns, I was not expecting that. That, uh, definitely was surprising. I do want to ask you, Jonah, before I go, do you consider Deshaun Watson as a top 10 quarterback in the league? Oh, of course. Absolutely. Um, right. even missing that entire year, it's, he's still in that, he's still in that conversation. Right. And he, so he's not outside the top five. He's just near the top five. Like he's a six, seven, where you, you put have him? to bump him out of the top five because he did miss an entire year. Um, okay. but top 10, like the seven, eight, nine range, absolutely. He's still up there as one of the best in the league. All right, and to piggyback off that, do I think that contract was overpaid? When you look at Cleveland's situation, who would they be able to get if not Deshaun Watson uh, in that situation? Clearly, Baker Mayfield. Uh, he, I don't know if you guys think – I know Mar is disgusted with him, doesn't like him as a quarterback. Uh, I think – I don't know what's going on with Baker, but clearly Cleveland thought he just wasn't their franchise quarterback anymore and decided to give Deshaun Watson that – insane amount of money and I feel like I think Deshaun Watson might be worth it he's definitely got the talent he's a top 10 quarterback uh Deshaun Watson's better than Baker Mayfield so it's not like they downgraded 
So I think overall, I think it, it was a good move. But what weapons is he going to work with? That's the real question. What they're going to do uh, to supply him with a team to be able to march forward? So. Oh, can can I go next? Well, yep. go ahead, Andrew. Okay, you guys um, can just jump. Oh, okay. I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to cut anybody off. Um, um, to respond to what Colin said at the end, what do you mean uh, by like filling with weapons? Like they just got um, uh, Mari Coop, like they just got Amari Cooper on basically, you know, a easy trade for that, and then they only let go Jarvis, but they still have Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. They have a uh, who's their tight end? Um, is it David They have Joku, and then they have the they have their defense. I feel like the, what the Browns were missing, because they had everything else. They just didn't have a good quarterback. Having Baker Mayfield wasn't really the best. Like, you know, it was what they had at the time. But as, like, the years went on, as, like, the, you know, as, like, the past, what, four years have gone, we've seen that he has his moments, but he can't be consistent about it. He's too inconsistent. Where Deshaun Watson was doing things, and he didn't even have a team around him. He didn't even have, like, real, like a, he didn't have multiple good weapons. He had maybe, like, one one and a half weapons that you could really consider to be weapons. Now you've given him uh, a top running back in the league, a, another, uh, like, uh, uh, still a good running back, plus Amari Cooper, who was actually, like, I could consider him being, like, top five, top ten receiver in the league, you know, and then also having, like, that that good of a defense. I feel like the Browns have a better chance to make a deeper playoff run with Deshaun Watson leading that team. So, and then the money, and then his contract. The contract, I feel like, you know, he's shown he's shown his efforts in what he did in Houston to earn that contract. The only thing I will say about his contract is now it plays a bigger factor in other people getting big contracts, like another person in Lamar Jackson. Like, how does that contract that Deshaun Watson get show what Lamar Jackson's worth and making when he's recent when he has to get a new contract with maybe with the Ravens or anybody else who. Who needs a quarterback by next season? But I feel like that his contract plays a factor in the QB market, and it I think it like really shakes the room. It's going to cause like you know ripple effects, pretty much. Like guys, yeah, it's like it's shaking the room of uh of uh the QB. Like Patrick Mahomes did it when they gave him that contract, but Deshaun I feel like is way is way is way crazier than Patrick just because he got a fully guaranteed. Of all two hundred thirty million. Wait, but Patrick, Patrick. But let me ask you: Do you feel like Deshaun Watson has the type of talent and skill to command that type of contract, disregarding all his off the off the field, you know, uh, allegedly? Yeah, I'm. I hit the last season he played. Didn't he have like? Did he lead the league in passing yards? I, I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure. I think. I think when the last the last season he played, he I think he was like he, either he led the league in passing yards or he was top three. I'm gonna look that up, but for right now, that's all I gotta say on that is that right. he changed the game for the contract and and that was a great fit for uh, the Browns. I'm gonna swing it to Chris. Go ahead, Chris. I'm gonna swing it to Amari Kyrie. Uh, listen, listen. Football wise, it was a great pickup for the Browns. Obviously, Baker Mayfield is not working, and they need a better quarterback. I I was just as surprised as the next person to see him end up going to Cleveland because I just ultimately presumed that when he listed off the teams that he was willing to go to, I thought he was going to end up with the Saints because I felt like the Saints was going to be the best fit for him in terms of wanting to compete. Now, with that being said, from the Browns' perspective, I think they I think it was an overhaul 
And I say that because, yes, Deshaun Watson is worth a good contract like he got. But you're giving a fully guaranteed contract to somebody that might not play until next year. So if he's still going to get paid just for sitting on the bench, and you don't know what's going to happen with these 22 civil lawsuits still put against them. So now you only got to deal with the lawsuits. You also got to deal with the NFL suspensions that are going to give them because they might just tell him to sit out for the year even if he pleads not guilty to the civil lawsuit. They're still going to pay a man that much money just to sit on the bench. And, okay, he sits on the bench and he comes back next year. Who knows what the team is going to look like next year, according to that. Because, yeah, you gave him all this money, but now you got to figure out how you're going to pay other players and stuff. Like Amari Cooper. He, what's Amari Cooper's contract like? Because the last time I remember, he's supposed to make $20 million this year. And he probably wants another payday after that. Then you got guys like Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Well, I'm not sure if they got paid yet, but they're going to want their money. Then the awards contract is coming up. So you, he wants to get paid. So it's like now you have all these other questions. And, th- again, you still have uncertainty at the quarterback position because, again, Deshaun Watson is going to fill that hole in what, you, in what the Cleveland Browns need for a quarterback to do. But if he doesn't play, what is he doing? He's just doing what he was doing in Houston. Not only that, though, but you still got the Baker Mayfield there. Now, they said they, they're going to move on from Baker Mayfield. But why now is he probably going to still be on the team until the season starts? So now you have Deshaun Watson, a quarterback who we don't know if he's going to play this year yet, a disgruntled quarterback now who doesn't even want to be there, and Jacoby Brissett. So now you just dug yourself into a hole that you don't even know if you'll be able to get out of by the time that Deshaun Watson is able to play. You, be, you better yourself for the future, but you don't know what the future holds right now. And I think that's why the Browns kind of gave up too much. Plus three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson. Albeit, he's worth three first three. Um, three first-round picks talent-wise, but just in the landscape of things, I would not give up that much for somebody who still has an uncertain future in the NFL. And again, a fully guaranteed contract when he might not play next year. That's just ridiculous. I do want to add that his 2022 salary is only going to be $1.035 million. So the Browns, they are prepared for Deshaun Watson to be suspended. Um, his signing bonus was $45 million. So Technically, the first year of his contract, like that first year of salary, is going into a signing bonus, per se. So on the books for like the salary cap, he's only going to count about $1 million towards that. So they are prepared for him to sit out for potentially the year, if not at least half the year. Right, but I, 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 okay, that's understandable. But again, the uncertainty for me comes with, again, you don't know what these losses are going to pertain. So you don't know if he's going to, if he pleads guilty to even one of them, he's probably going to face probation, if not jail time. So you know how long the probation sentence is going to be. And then after that, if that happens, the NFL still needs to put a suspension on it. So again, that you could still be looking at two years without Deshaun Watson. So what are you going to do until then? You're going to have to go and percent be your quarterback all the way. He's cleared of all, you know, criminal counts. Like, like these lawsuits, they're all civil. So technically, he's just being sued by the women involved in those accusations. So I don't, he, I don't think he'll be facing any type of jail time if he's, if he loses the. uh Well, one thing not jail time, but you can face probation though. One thing I want to add, Chris, is that you know I'm pretty sure when any player has accusations and with his type of fame in town, whatever, the organization's going to do their due diligence in looking into that. So the fact that they could give him that type of contract, uh, they're pretty confident that he's probably gotten through all those hurdles, and those are probably just, you know, just stains, not stains because they're very serious, you know, accusations, but uh, it's not going to be something that's going to be prominent. But I, I want to swing it to Mar. Mar didn't get a chance to name Kyrie. Oh. <clears throat> um. 
Well, I agree with everybody else about saying that it was Deshaun Watson who worked that uh, contract. And I would have did the same thing if I was the Browns. I'm not going to lie to you. I would have gave up the same thing because at the end of the day, I'm looking at it in a confident way. I'm not looking at the downfall or the downside of something or like a case something like this. This isn't something like he killed somebody or like something else that could have been way worse. So, I mean, although it's pretty bad with he's being what they said he did, but I would have took my chances and rolled the dice on him too. And I would have did everything I could to keep him because the only thing we were missing or the only thing the Browns were missing is a quarterback. So why not go and get him? Kyrie, go ahead. Yeah, so Deshaun signing with the Browns overall, uh, well, being traded to the Browns overall really did surprise me. Uh, I didn't expect him to go there. Like Chris, I did see him go to the Saints or either the Falcons. But as far as what they gave up for him, I'm just surprised that the uh, the Texans weren't able to take or grab Baker Mayfield at least for collateral out of that trade. But it does work out in the Browns' favor considering that uh, – if Deshaun Watson isn't able to play the next man, the next man on the quarterback depth chart, that's the best player is Baker Mayfield. So who is a starter? Who is a proven capable starter? I mean, was he good this past season? No, but he was, or he did have, uh, he had shoulder injuries and stuff like that and all types of other injuries. Well, Kyrie, so, uh, let me ask you, what's your evaluation of maker, uh, of Baker Mayfield? Like, do you feel like he's a quarterback you would want on your team? I, I, mean, I think he, I think he's solid. What I want him on my team, um, it depends what type of situation my team's in and who and who we have around him. I mean, like I said, he's he started. He's he's a starter caliber. He's a starting caliber quarterback. But it all comes down to to the consistency and when he makes those big plays. It just doesn't happen. He just doesn't make it happen when his teams needed when his teams needed done the most. And again, he was hurt this past season. This was a if you're going off of Baker Mayfield's whole career. This past season was probably the worst season to go to go off of. He he didn't play well. So. But in, in in saying that, what I also wanted to get to was they kind of burnt that bridge with having him on the roster too, as a, as a security blanket for if Deshaun Watson not able to play because he doesn't. He made it clear that he doesn't want to play for them and he doesn't want to suit up. Given that their their comments that they made about him uh, right before they're able to sign Deshaun, saying they wanted an adult at quarterback, which I, me personally, if I'm a quarterback and somebody saying that you want an adult at quarterback and you don't really see me fitting the bill, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take offense to that. I'm, I feel like he has he's taking the right stance and not wanting to play because it shows that the Browns don't really have no plans for him going forward and they don't see him they don't visualize him being their model quarterback to lead that team. So it was it was a good move in in, in I guess in the Browns from the Browns standpoint picking up Deshaun Watson if he is able to play this season you got all the weapons around him and Amari Cooper Kareem Hunt Nick Chubb you have that defense with Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward and all those guys. So I think the Browns made that well either way. If just the the one down part was burning that bridge with Baker Mayfield. If it were to come down to him having to play, whether it be either, even be six games that Deshaun Watson might be suspended or something like that, those six games matter. Those that start to the season matters. So and having Baker Mayfield out there that knows the team, that knows the system, um, as opposed to having Jacoby Brissett go out there who still has to learn or build that chemistry with those guys out there, that still kind of hurts. But overall, I think the Browns made it made a good move. Um, I think Deshaun Watson deserved every penny that he got, and I hope we. Most of all, I'm hope, 
hoping we can see him go out there and play this season because anytime he steps out on the field, he's sensational. So, and again, given all those guys that they have around him, I think this is going to be a really, really good team um, if everybody stays healthy and everybody's available. Uh, go ahead, Mar. before I swing it to Jonah to bring the next topic. You see he was going to add something. Uh, what were you about to say? Oh, because you were asking uh, Kyrie if he would uh, have him on his team, and he said it depends. And I was telling him, bro, just say no. That that just means no. All right. All right. <laughs> see, see, the, see the thing is, see the thing hey, is though, Mark. Hey, hey. Let's hold on, hold on, Kyle. See the thing is though, Mark. I, I, I'm not that hard on Baker Mayfield. Like I, I think he's okay. Like I'm, I'm I want to say I'm a, a full blown fan of him, but I've seen some plays made by. I see some games by him where I can say, "Oh, Baker Mayfield is not that bad." It's just again, it comes down to the consistency and stepping up to that big moment. He just hasn't done that. So again, yeah, it it, it really depends on if I'll say I'll put it this way: if the NFL were to have like an all out like draft like say every every player became free agents and the player I got stuck with is my starting quarterback was Baker Mayfield I'm not going to be upset I just got to make sure I put the right pieces around him the right coaching and the right structure and the right environment around him to make sure we get the best out of him that we know we can he can do and we just got to make sure we get we get it from on a consistent basis but there's plenty of other quarterbacks out there I can name that I'd rather have I'd rather have the Baker Mayfield but I'm not going to be upset with it so I actually one question and then we can move on uh, James Winston or Baker? Mm. Ah. <laughs> 30 for 30. That's a good 30. one. <laughs> That's a, yo. Listen, I'm, I might I, get I, the edge of James. Cause I, I, cause I feel like, I feel like James rallies the troops better. I feel like you, you get more, he what? gets more out of his teammates than Baker Mayfield does. <laughs> Wait, 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 Colin, you got Baker? I think Baker's, a, I think Baker's better than Jameis. Okay. So what about you, Mar? You think Jameis? No, 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 I'm just asking the question on this one. <laughs> that was, that was a, that's a good one, though, right there. I had to think about that one. But I'm going to have to give a slight edge to Jameis, though. Ooh. What about you, Kendrick? Bro, 30 for 30. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got to say. Let's the W. I'm eating W's, bro. James all day. James over what? James over. If I had to choose between James and Baker, I'm taking James in ten times out of uh, nine. So. Well, Kendrick, let me let me, before we. All right, this is gonna be the last one. Can let me ask you: Would you want James Winston instead of uh, as your quarterback for the Eagles? Um, right now, currently, talk to me. Hmm, say that right no, now. Say, yeah, talk to me. Um, right now, uh, no, because it's like we are – I'm going to assume that the Eagles are in full rebuild and trying to do something. So, I'm – you know, I'll be okay with Jalen Hurts, but if we were like in a win-now moment, I would I would lean more towards Jameis 100%. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Jonah. Now get off to the next question. Yeah, I was just going to just add to the whole Cleveland Browns situation. They've started 27 quarterbacks since 2004. 27. Ooh. Poverty franchise. Sheesh. 27. So I feel like they feel like they're justified. They're, they're, they're justified in that move, not only to trade, giving up all the assets, but signing that contract. I mean, the fan base is growing tired out there. They finally had a playoff run last year. It got cut short in the divisional round. 
that team has seen a lot of losing and they've seen a lot of quarterbacks come in and out as a revolving door. They felt like they had to make the move and they did. But um, we're going to switch over to the AFC West now and another quarterback, another big move. It was the move of the offseason until the Deshaun Watson news, but Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos. The Seahawks, they get a lot back for him. They get Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fant, a 2022 second-round pick, 2023 second-round pick, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. Um, Kyrie, you, you went last uh, you know, on the last two topics, so I'm going to start with you. Did Seattle get enough back? Did the Denver Broncos just become that much better of a team? How are you feeling? Um, well, I don't think the I don't think the Seattle Seahawks could have got enough back. Um, considering you're trading away Russell Wilson, but then again, when you're picking up Drew Locke at that point, you kind of feel like they're they're heading towards a rebuild or a restructure of some sort. So I, I don't see any situation where they, the Seattle Seahawks are expecting to do well. So as far as what they got in return, it doesn't really matter to me because you giving up your your franchise quarterback and at this I'm sorry, you giving up your your franchise quarterback and he didn't really have much around him anyway. So you don't really have any guys to put around you like outside of like really DK Metcalf and uh and Tyler Lockett and maybe Chris Carson if he if he comes back healthy and in full effect, but. And the team simply doesn't have enough. They didn't have enough when Russell was there. They don't have enough now. So I don't expect them to do well. As far as the Denver Broncos, though, I think this changes the whole scenery of this Denver Broncos franchise. I mean, moving on from Teddy, from Teddy Bridgewater to Drew, to Russell Wilson is a big step up. And, uh, when you consider the, uh, the type of receivers they have in Cordless Sutton and Jerry Judy, guys like that, it really, I feel like it just really elevates their, their offensive firepower. So, me personally, I'm expecting Jerry Judy to have his first thousand yard season as a pro and to become a Pro Bowler this season. And I feel like if they do that, they, him and Russell Wilson establish that type of connection. The Denver Broncos could be a scary team. Then you mentioned then the defense that they put around him and picking up uh, Randy Gregory from the Dallas Cowboys, which was kind of funny because every he had everybody thinking he was going back to the Cowboys. Then announced it not too long uh, after that he was going to the Denver Broncos. So that was a good move in picking up. Then picking up Alex Singleton from the Eagles, which kind of kind of pissed me off as an Eagles fan. I really liked having him on the squad, but it really boosted him up um, on both ends on both sides of the field. So yeah, I think the, the Denver Broncos obviously won this trade, but I think it puts them into another category when we're talking about contenders, especially in T. Uh, when we're talking about the AFC West in particular, because before it was already assumed that they'd probably be, they'd be bottom of that division, but now we we talked about them possibly being at the top. So I think they did. I think they did a good uh, did a good job in grabbing Russell Wilson. I think they have the the right pieces around him on both ends of the field, and I, I think we should expect them to see them see them at least try to make a deep playoff run this year. And Ja, um, do you feel like? Kyrie just said it. He feels like they can make some noise. The AFC West is very crowded. Um, the AFC in general is crowded. But uh, do you feel like the Broncos are now they, – they've taken that next step and they are now in a, a contender for at least the AFC West, if not the AFC? That's for you, Jamar. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, like, every team in that division is, 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 it's kind of crazy, though. Everybody in that division can make the playoffs, but it's just about, like, which team really is going to own, well, probably looks at the Chiefs, but it's really about which team is really going to own or really know and study the other team and get to know what to do in their habits since they see them uh, twice a season. So, and if they see them in the playoffs, that's just going to be like, I don't know. It's just who, whoever can have the upper hand when it comes to it because they're all liable to uh, take their trip. Absolutely. No. With the new format, with the new playoff format, it is possible for four teams to all of in the same division to all make the playoffs. So we thought that was going to be the NFC West last year. And then the Seahawks, they were pretty much a disappointment of that division. And they kind of just fell off from their heydays in the early 2010s. And Chris, speaking about Seattle now, it's looking like they're in rebuild mode. They essentially chose their coach over their quarterback. Um, what's next for the Seahawks? Is it just a full rebuild? Do you think they can pull a Cincinnati and have a short rebuild and get right back into the thick of things? Or is this going to be a very long haul for the Seahawks? I honestly don't think I'd call it a rebuild because they brought back Pete Carroll. I felt like if they wanted to go in a different direction, they would have to also get away from the coach they've had for, again, like we said, the past decade. I, I feel like Pete Carroll there. It's still going to give Seahawks fans, regardless of Russell Wilson's there now, it's going to give Seahawks fans, like, even the thought that, okay, so we're trying to compete, but we, now we don't have the players to compete because we just got rid of Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson. So it's like, now they're kind of like in, just up in the air right now. And honestly, I don't really know what could be next for Seattle. I would recommend a rebuild just off the fact that we saw what happened last year. We saw that last year this team is that, that – Last year, I made it to the playoffs and lost in the first round. That that was it. That's it for this team. So I felt like they needed to restructure the entire team. And I feel like to restructure the entire team, you need to start from the top down. And since you didn't get rid of the coach, you really don't want to restructure fully. So they got Drew Locke. I'm assuming that Seattle's going to look for a quarterback in the draft. That's just off of assumption. They still have some receivers there. They got Metcalf and Lockett, two very, two very good receivers. They still have uh, – they just got Noah Fant, who's going to be – who was a decent tight end. Still have Chris Carson, a good running back. But at this point, like, it's still the same Seahawks team. So no matter what quarterback comes into this scenario, you're still going to have to deal with the same old nonsense. You know, a really little to no offensive line and your defense is suspect at best. And, I mean, again, I, I don't really know what to say because even though they, they're off, they got Russell Wilson, they they have Jamal Anderson signed to a five-year deal and they just re-signed Quandre Day. So they're both back, both cornerbacks. But then again, they got rid of Bobby Wagner. So it's confusing exactly where Seattle is at this point in time. And my recommendation, though, yes, I feel like they need to just rebuild. They should let go Pete Carroll, just bring somebody else in. You can have the same team and just see what happens after that. Obviously, go after a quarterback in the draft because you don't want Drew Locke to be a long-term quarterback because he is not a long-term quarterback kind of guy. And after that, you just got to let the chips fall with make. But as of this moment right now, I feel like Seattle's just kind of been no man's land. They got, Because, again, they made moves to make it seem like they're rebuilding but they still have some of the same issues that there. So are they really rebuilding? Yeah. Um, you you think that the right move would, would be to go into a full rebuild mode, 
But you look around in their division, every other team made the playoffs last year. The Cardinals, they were a first-round exit, but they made the playoffs, and for a long time they had the top record in the NFC throughout the regular season. The San Francisco 49ers, your NFC runner-ups, they made it. They beat Green Bay in Lambeau in the postseason. And then, of course, your Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. All within that same division, you think that it's got to be creeping in Seattle's head, in the front office's head, like, hey, we got to keep up with these guys. We can't just sit here and just blow everything up now because for the fan base, you know, that'll be a really bad look looking at all your rivals have this playoff success and here you are just blowing everything up after having your own run, you know, just a few years ago. But, uh, Colin, we, we've heard rumors about, you know, DK Metcalf potentially being traded and he hasn't said anything himself about being traded, but if you were him, just put yourself in his shoes for a second, Colin. If you were DK Metcalf, would you request a trade? <sighs> I mean, when you lose a guy like Russell Wilson, uh, what can the Bronx, I mean, I mean, what can the Seahawks look, uh, to replace as a quarterback? I mean, what, what quarterback? <laughs> He's the greatest quarterback in their history. You can't replace him. Like, what, so what, what options are there for the Seahawks? Like, let's really be honest. Like, you, like, you know, you guys tell me, cause I, I'm not sure myself, right? So, when you look at it from that perspective, does he really want to go through that struggle of having an inept quarterback, you know, uh, a quarterback that isn't even close to what he had? His experience would it's like to have a great franchise talented quarterback. Uh, can you really give him a mediocre quarterback? Uh, I don't think he would want to do that for his career, and I think he shouldn't do that as his career. I don't want him to be in the same situation as DeAndre Hopkins was when he was with the Texans for six, seven years. The quarterbacks he ran through, ridiculous, right? Just completely not maximizing his full ability. So I don't think he wants to do that. And I think if I'm DK, uh, Matt Cab, I, I leave. Yeah, is What's the point of staying with the Hawks? Now, Kendrick. Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I disagree with that whole Okay. Okay. Because in my instance, Matt Cab had a bad year last year with a great quarterback. So why leave? This is honestly his chance to bounce back, if anything. Okay. If he could do good with if he could do good with a bad quarterback, that's it's the payday. And then he can have the decision to leave. Oh, okay. No, no, I didn't see it from that standpoint. No, I don't look at it. DK, he's he's going into the last year of his rookie deal and he will be due for a huge contract, at least twenty million a year, if not more. Mom, you saw what Ty Hill just got, you saw what Devontae Adams got, you saw what Christian Kirk got. I mean, Christian Kirk is getting 18 mil a year, so DK is going to get paid. Um, if you're Seattle, are you willing to, to sign that big of a contract for your receiver when you're unsure about your quarterback situation? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like if I were them, if I'm Seattle, I'm probably looking at dealing them and getting some – I don't know what you get back. I don't know what you what you look for. Maybe a late first round pick, maybe a second round pick. Um I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think uh um Chris, do you think that Seattle 
should offer him? I I don't. I mean, you talk about offer him a contract, or offer him just trade talks. Trade talks, or I mean both. I, I personally think they should offer him a trade talks as of yet, because again, if, like you already said, he's not in the last year of the deal, so at this point in time, it's he can he can do honestly whatever he wants to. He's kind of in his he kind he kind of can determine what happens next from this point on. So let's just say, for example, he goes out there and balls out and has a great year. Now he's a free agent. Now he has a choice to either come back to Seattle or go to a different team that could use the services. Like, off the top of my head, if I could think of a team that could use DK Metcalf, I can't believe I'm saying this, but it would be the Kansas City Chiefs. You just lost a speedster. Now you got another speedster. That's what I'm not thinking about. But, but they, wouldn't, again, they wouldn't be able to pay him, though. They I couldn't mean, pay yeah, they would. You're right, they wouldn't be able to pay him, but again, that's his point in time where he could think about, okay, do I want to win now or do I want to kind of make my money first and then win later? So I I feel I still feel like Metcalf should not look to get traded. I feel like the Seals should not look to trade him. Let him play at the last year of his deal and then see what happens after that. If he plays good, offer him a contract. If he doesn't accept it, you move on. If he doesn't play well, you don't have to offer him a contract. At least you just let him walk. Either way, though, I feel like Metcalf is going to ultimately decide what happens next. His play is going to decide what he does next. I hear that. So now that we're on the topic of wide receivers, we're going to move over to another big signing in the AFC. Devontae Adams, the former Green Bay Packers. Oh, man. Man, Chris, I know you're you're a Raiders fan. I know you you love this. He has signed a five-year, $141 million deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders, it looks like they're going all in. They made the playoffs last year. They see what's going around, what's going on in their division. It's like an arms race right now. It's like, it's mayhem in the AFC West right now. Chris, I want to get your thoughts first because you are a Raiders fan. How are you feeling about this signing? Oh, I feel much better about my team. I feel great. This was destined to happen, and I called it. After the Packers lost, I called it after the Packers lost that Devontae Adams would end up in Vegas. And nobody wanted to believe it. Everybody thought I was just talking out my you-know-what. And guess what? It happened. Uh-huh. You know why I'm happy it happened? Because here's how, here's how I knew what happened. I remember watching <laughs> a Devontae Adams interview where he where somebody asked him a question about wanting to play with Derek Carr again. And Devontae Adams actually always wanted to play with Derek Carr again after Fresno State. But he couldn't because, in his words, he was a Packer now. So when that time comes, he can think differently. So I already knew then that he already thought about this. They were playing it out. And then just hearing about how they used to work out in the offseason right before the Raiders moved to Las Vegas and how they were still close in contact to each other and how early in this offseason, before he got traded, he bought a house next to Derek Carr. That was all signs to say, oh, he wants to come here. I didn't he even know bought a house Raiders. next to Derek Carr. He is Derek Carr's next door neighbor. I didn't even know he was a Raiders fan growing up. That's news to me. But all the signs point to Devontae Adams wanting to come to Vegas. And I like the pickup because, again, these Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, two guys who, again, have known each other for a long time, have already who already have chemistry with each other. And the one thing that I've been saying for the past couple of years that the Raiders needed that they haven't had is a tr- true, a legit number one. And we just got the best receiver in the game to come over to Vegas. I'm ecstatic. Now we got three people who can have a thousand yards zero on their team, plus Josh Jacobs. Now, yeah, we still have some things to figure out. Offensive line still shaky, defense still suspect from time to time, but that will come in due time. The fact that we had Devontae for five years is a happy point because that at least gives us 
a good three to four years of good production left from Devontae, we can contend and which, what you just said is a loaded AFC West. So I'm very excited, especially after all these other teams in the same conference were making making big moves. It was the Raiders needed a splash, and they got a splash. And to only give to only give up a first and second rounder from this upcoming draft for the best receiver in the game, that's almost like a steal. Absolutely. Kendrick, I want to get your thoughts on the other side of this. And from the Packers' point of view now, where do they go from here? Are, is their stock, like, has their stock plummeted now with the loss of Devontae Adams? Aaron Rodgers has got signed to this huge contract. You know, who else could they bring in to try to attempt to fill that gap of losing arguably the best receiver in the league? Uh, I feel like, you, yes, you lose stock by losing your number one wide receiver in a top, in a top, uh, top two wide receiver. I'm not going to say he's the best one. I have a different viewpoint on who the best wide receiver is, but I'm not going to discredit him and not say he's not like. You. Wait, wait, Kendrick, Kendrick, I'm just really curious. Who is the best wide receiver? No, no, no. All right, don't do it. Let's save that for another time, fellas. Please don't do it. Don't do it. All right, all right. we're not going to do it. Let's save it for another time, fellas. All I was going to say was DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I feel like I can say that. Um, oh my. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just, but I feel like, you know, and we touched on Metcalf and I, I missed out on the Metcalf conversation because I did have something to say about his choice, but I feel like, uh, the Packers can go out and, you know, they got a first and second round. I feel like they could go out and trade for Metcalf. Like, you know, if Metcalf wants to go with the Seahawks, see like, you know, the Packers can give him a good trade for Metcalf or even Tyler Lockett. That, then that replaces that number one, even though it's not like, you know, you're trying to replace Devontae Adams. That's not possible to do. But just to find a quality, good number one receiver to have to compare uh, to pair up with Aaron Rodgers, I feel like yes. And we've also seen Aaron Rodgers do good without Devontae Adams in certain games. So Aaron Rodgers, in itself, he is a great quarterback. Like you know, top tier. You know, one like a eight, like an A plus rating on quarterback. So I feel like, you know, having Devontae Adams and losing him, yeah, it's a big hit, but it's like, let's see, we can go, they should go out and try and get somebody like, you know, a DK or, yeah, I don't know. I think like somebody from the Seahawks possibly just so you can replace that Devontae Adams, even though it's not really a replacement, but it's like a good enough replacement, not a great replacement or a perfect replacement. Okay, well, since you weren't able to get in your DK point, let me ask you this. If you were DK, and now I'm putting you in his shoes, would you take a pay cut to go to Green Bay and play with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. I mean, why Why would I not go play with, like, um, one of probably, like, the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now? Like, why would I not go? Like, I went from a great quarterback in Russell Wilson, and I'm going to another great quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. I feel like if they were – if I had to take a, a minimal a, – a pay cut to play with Aaron Rodgers, I'm doing that because then, like, I, I help him and the team with the chance to win, and then – he helps me show how great I can be, and I feel like it's just a win-win for both sides. Absolutely. Kyrie, now, let's assume that DK doesn't get traded to Green Bay. There's still a couple of guys left out there on the board, not only in the draft, but also still in free agency. We know T.Y. Hilton is a free agent. We know that Jarvis Landry is still looking for a place to call home. Is there someone out there? 
who can not fill the role, obviously, of Devontae Adams, but someone who can come in and be just another target for A-Rod other than Valdez, Scantling, and uh, um, who's, who's the one getting Cobb. They don't even have Valdez Scantling. Yeah, they they lost Valdez Scantling. He went to the Chiefs. So uh, they yeah. have they have Alan Lazar, Randall Cobb, and that's all I could think mm-hmm. of as far as their receiving court. But as far as somebody coming in and filling that that spot Devontae Adams had, I really can't think of anybody. I mean, Jarvis Landry's cool. I mean, if you're able to get him for a nice little for a nice little one year deal deal or something, um, that's cool. But I really don't see anybody filling it. I mean, he just went off for a 1,500-yard receiving season this this past year. It was probably the top receiver in, in, in football this past season. So I don't really see anybody else going out there and even having close to the same effect that he had out there on the, on the field. Um, And I think that does limit Aaron Rodgers to to an extent because uh, – well, to a, to a large extent because that's his main target in – the, the other two guys that I name, as far as Lazard and Randall Cobb, I mean, you're not going to throw it to them 10, 15 times a game. You're not going to throw it to them in the clutch and, and hope for good things to happen. So you're really going to re, be uh, relying on Aaron Jones and, and, and A.J. Dillon in your run game. So I think not having that, that big target as receiver and, and not really having anybody else to, to kind of relieve that, I think one it makes Aaron one is it shifts the whole like landscape of the of the Packers offense because I think they're going to have to shift more to like a running on the ground game, and you don't if you're doing that you're not really allowing Aaron Rodgers to showcase that arm and showcase that that playmaking ability he has in the air because you don't have the talent to go ahead and to, to go up there and catch it. So I think it's going to be a lot of adjustments that the Packers have to make with losing him and not really bringing anybody back into that's even close to his talent level. I, I, it's, it's going to be really hard for the Packers. I don't see anybody them bringing anybody else, whether it be trade, unless it's, I guess, in the middle of the season or closer to the, when the season starts or closer to the trade deadline. I don't see a trade happening. And I don't see any rookie that they draft this year having an impact in their very first year or in the very first six to ten games. As to where you go, okay, that's Aaron Rodgers' number, uh, new number one option. So, and as far as free agency goes, yeah, it, it sounds like Jarvis Landry's the best option of T.Y. Hilton, who's always hurt. So, I, I don't, I, I really don't see anything coming good out, out, out of them losing Devontae Allen. I don't see anything coming good out of it. The Packers, they do have the 22nd overall pick from Las Vegas, and they also have their own 28th overall pick. Colin and Jamar, this is. For both of you guys, I don't know how well you've been following the, uh, these draft prospects, but is there someone in the draft, a receiver in the draft, who the Packers may be targeting right now? Or who would be a good fit for the Packers and for Aaron Rodgers? I have not even looked at the, the draft prospects currently, so that's something I really want to get myself knowledge on before I even give a comment on that. We're going to do an episode on that, though, but Kyrie knows. I was I, the only I literally just looked up um, a mock draft earlier, and the one person that I saw that the, they actually had the Packers getting, and I, I think he he could be good there. But again, he's not going to be clear cut number one option. Day one is Crystal Lave from Ohio from Ohio State, 
Um, yeah, I don't even know if he'd be able to if he'd even drop that load down to number twenty two. I think uh, there'd be some other teams up there that that give him the, that gives him a look and that might see him as a player that they want to bring on. But outside of that, that's the only other like real wide receiver option I, I, I see them grabbing it. I don't see I didn't really see anybody else in that uh I guess in that range for for them to uh, possibly pick up. But if they were to if they were to pick up Chris Olave. Even past Aaron Rodgers, like sometime down the line, five, six years from now, that that could really benefit them. He's he's really good. Jamar, uh, I'll finish with you for this topic. Um, just your thoughts in general, Packers. How do you feel they stand in the NFC? Do you feel that the Raiders are now a contender in the AFC? Um, any potential draft pick or free agent who can come into Green Bay? Just your overall thoughts. Oh, whoa. I used to always cheer for the Packers. I'm going to still cheer for Aaron Rodgers. But it's, I, it's over in Green Bay. Like, they got Jordan Love for no reason. It's over. Oh, wow. Jordan Love is just there at this point. It's, it's over. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is still going to put up his numbers. He's still going to do him. But with him losing, him just having Randall Cobb and only Adam was it's, it's just over. Like, it's just nothing. Nothing they're going to Nothing. I'm not going to be surprised they don't do anything. The I mean, the NFC is looking pretty skimpy, man. You just, I mean, do you, do they at least win the North again? The Tom Brady, the Rams. You said, do they win the, uh, they at least get I, the North again? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the 49ers are going to, I feel like the, the 49ers definitely have their number. Now that they don't have nobody, I feel like the 49ers. Yeah. And continue. I said the 49ers. The, um, yeah. uh, well, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, they probably will. Win. I mean, the NFC North is, is Minnesota, Chicago, yeah. and Detroit. I'm sure. I feel like just by default, the Packers they, could yeah. win 10 or 11 games and at least win their division. Now, in the playoffs, I don't know, but. They could win their division, but I was tripping, but no, nah, they're not going to do nothing. I don't see them doing anything. I mean, they lost to the Lions last year, so it's only a, it's only a matter of time before they start losing. But the oh, Raiders, resting guys, that don't really count, right? End of the season. Well, you know when you put it like that. But the Raiders, um, I feel like the Raiders should do better than they did last season. I feel like they should make the playoffs with that division, especially because since the Chiefs went down, they bumped up their defensive line. I mean, they could still work on their secondary. But with, when you have, the, you know, the the best wide receiver and you have a defensive line like that and you had a team that produced like that, they had much pressure. And everything that they went under last season – and, and turn over and get these improvements. I feel like they should, they should have a shot and they should have a good run. Um, and what was the last thing you said, my man? I was just saying, like any uh, potential um, rookies or free agents who can come in and fill that wide receiver role. Oh no, yeah, it's over. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it might as well just give me it's over. <laughs> Copy that. Um, real quick, before we get to our last topic, um, I just want to know from all of you guys, like, I know, like, we're probably going to do a, a whole predictions episode, like, in the future, 
once the schedule and all that stuff comes out. But who do you guys think is going to finish last in the AFC West? Like, just throw a team out there real quick. Who finishes fourth in the AFC West this season? Because mm. uh, my brain is like, is just like this, like that whole division is stacked. Somebody's got to finish last. I I got my answer. I've been thinking about it. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. My prediction is going to be Kansas City. Mm. And I'm saying Kansas I was City. Going with the, I was going with them, too. I love that you said that. That ties in. That ties directly into the point. Like I said, man, as of right now, we've never seen Patrick Mahomes play without Tariq Hill. Right. Now, we know Travis Kelsey is the best tight in the league, but we don't know what this offense is going to look like now that Tariq Hill is gone. That's debatable. Of course it's debatable. We don't know what this offense is going to look like when – like without Tyreek Hill now, we don't know how Patrick Mahomes is going to look without Tyreek Hill. Or they're going to play them differently now. Or, we don't know how Juju Smith-Schuster is going to look either. Right, right. Another one. Or, or just, just Patrick I'm Mahomes. I'm thinking about TikToks right now, man. I'm not really sure. Or, or, or does Patrick Mahomes elevate to like a never like? Yes, he won. You know, he we saw a superstar in one season. But what if he takes it to an even better season than that? Like, then what's your thoughts about Patrick Mahomes? Never. I mean, I feel like we've already seen his ceiling. I mean, how much better can he get? I mean, he's still young, right? He's like, what, 20, 26? 20, he was right. like, the only way he can top himself is like if he like becomes the first quarterback to throw 60 touchdowns. With right, Tyree. The only way he can top himself is he has an, if he wins the MVP, he's the number one, he, he goes undefeated, MVP year, one Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Okay, that's a crazy hypothetical situation, but I like it, though. Uh, I like but it. that does tie into our last point. Tyreek Hill, another big wide receiver on the move in the American Football Conference. He is now a Miami Dolphin. I just Again, can't believe he's a Dolphin. I just feel like it's, it's surreal. Madden's going to look crazy next year. That's wild. I'm so glad, I'm so glad he's a Dolphin. Let me get into these, uh, let me get into these, um, these details real quick. So we know that he wanted, Kansas City came to him with a deal. He obviously wanted more money. You just saw again, Christian Kirk, his contract just reset the entire wide receiver market. So you know that Tyree Kill and Avante Adams, they were getting big money. And Miami, they're willing to pay big money. And not only did they sign Tyreek Hill to a four-year, $120 million deal, $72 million of that guaranteed, they also traded the 29th overall pick, the 50th overall pick, two fourth-round picks, and a sixth-round pick. So I'll just open the floor to whoever wants to jump in. How are we feeling about this? Are the Dolphins now a team to look at in the AFC East with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell as a one-two combo? And Kansas City, I mean, again, <laughs> we're feeling like they're going to finish fourth. They can still make the playoffs, but how, how do we feel about both of these teams right now moving forward? First of all, I feel like the five Go ahead, I'll go. All right, I got you. Uh, I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of it falls on to whether or not Tua Tagovailoa takes that next step that I feel like all of us – and everybody that even watch, that watches football in general is, is expecting him to take. 
I mean, he he's had his moments last season, but then he had he had his down and bad moments last season too, where he had to where he got benched or he got taken out of games in certain situations just because he kind of like Baker Mayfield, that consistency isn't all the way there. So I feel like a lot of that falls onto falls onto Tua, and they did pick up Teddy Bridgewater from the Broncos, which was a really good move um, as as, an, as insurance, just in case. You know, like we've seen the last two seasons with Tua, he, he plays a good game, then the next two games he plays terrible, and you got to kind of look to the next option to have a chance of winning. So I feel like, yeah, yeah you have Tyreek Hill, you have uh, Jalen Waddle, you have Mike uh, Gusecki, you have uh, Devontae Parker, but it all default, it all depends on who's throwing it to him. And me personally, I just don't trust Tua Tagovailoa right now. I barely trust Teddy Bridgewater. He had a good season last year, but I feel like a team like this definitely needs a an all pro, top five, top ten type of quarterback to really get the best out of everybody and to really share the ball with everybody and to get this offense to move because they have a lot of talent. And what happens with a lot of teams that stack up a lot of talent is there's a guy or two that doesn't really get the ball much. There's a guy or two that doesn't really get the get to get to shine much because the other two guys that are that are big talents in the league are getting the lion's share. So I think this I think that's going to be one of their main I guess difficulties in the getting all these guys to mesh is whether or not to, to attack a Viola or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever's starting at the quarterback position come uh come the beginning of the season. Whether or not they have the talent to manage all these talents around them to keep everybody happy and to get everybody the ball and to get everybody involved into the point where they can consistently win games with a set system. So I, I feel like, yeah, picking up Tyree Hill, that's probably the biggest move of this offseason out of any team. But a lot a lot of it falls on whether or not you trust those quarter, those two quarterbacks to get the best out of him and the guys around him to, to keep this team on the on the upward trend. I know you were gonna jump right into something. You want to add to that? Yeah. First of all, before I even start, I just want to say I want to just shout out Tariq Hill because he got paid fifty-two million just for signing the contract, and that is just yes, insane in itself. Insane. But now, he is the highest receiver in the league now. By the way, he is number one. Yes, he is, and I mean, deserves his deserve money. I mean, I don't know. He's not the best receiver, but I mean, shoot, he deserves money. He deserves to get paid. So he's got paid. Can the highest-paid receiver? That's good for him. Um, I think from the Dolphins' perspective, uh, basically picking up what Kyrie said, all this is going to fall on Tua because he he has no excuse now to not show up this year. Kind of like how it was how like I didn't say this about Baker Mayfield at the time, but I haven't thought about this when the Browns first got Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper. And Odell Beckham Jr., then they just signed Kareem Hunt. I said, Baker Mayfield now has no excuse to not show up now. You have everything around you. You have playmakers all around you. Albeit, Waddle's still young. We don't know he's going to be yet, but he looks he looks really good. We already know what Tariq Hill is. They just signed Raheem Morris from uh, – I have to say his name. Raheem Morris from the 49ers, who was a good running back to have. The offensive line isn't that bad, and the defense is still pretty good. It's still pretty intact from last year. So, I mean – they have a team, but all this is going to fall on Tua. Tua now has no excuse to mess up this year. And it is a good thing that they picked up Teddy Bridgewater because, again, like Kyrie said, he's basically a good – he's basically like somebody you can fall back on in case Tua just doesn't show up because there have been games so far in Tua's first years where he just looks like he's just non-existent. And 
this being his third year, this is the time he needs to show improvement or he's not going to be in Miami anymore. So it's kind of like, there's, so it's kind of going to like, okay, we, you, we gave you everything you need. You have one more year to show us that you're worth something or if not, we're just going to go in a different direction. So I feel like the Dolphins themselves, they're going to, they're still going to be a competitive team and two is going to either elevate or de-elevate that team. It's all going to fall down to him. From the Chiefs point of view, all I can really say is the NFL is a business. Obviously, like Andy Reid said at the NFL meeting when they interviewed him, he wanted to rekill that. I'm pretty sure everybody in Kansas City wanted to rekill the team. But also, just like this, you can't pay everybody the money that they want or the money that they're worth. So it's like they gave him the contract to rekill said, I don't want that. I'm not worth it, which is perfectly fine with him. And they just had to get rid of him. Now, they got a better haul for him than Harry Gavin Devontae Adams, which kind of – which I was just like, I just got surprised from the Packers' point of view because it's like they got five picks and you only got two, and you got rid of the best receiver in the game. They just got rid of the fastest receiver, but he's still he's still electrified, no doubt about it. But I think the Chiefs, but the Chiefs also aren't. They didn't lose this trade, I'll say, because again they have a lot of picks, but now they can mess around and see what's going on. And like I said before, most of the team is still intact. Yes, they don't have to rekill anymore, and defenses might play differently, but the core. The good core of this team is still intact. They still have Patrick Mahomes, still have Travis Kelsey, still got a good offensive line to protect Patrick Mahomes. The defense is just still the defense. Obviously, losing Tyron Matthew was huge, but they did replace him with Justin Reed. He's not as good as Tyron Matthew, but he's not terrible either. So it was still a good pickup. So I feel like I'm not going to say it was a win-win for both teams. I think the Dolphins got the better out of this deal because they got to free kill. They got the best player. But I don't think the Chiefs ultimately lost the whole deal either. I feel like they just – we don't know if they want it yet because we don't know what they're going to do with their picks. But I think that the Dolphins are in a good situation to become dark horse contenders. But, again, this is all going to fall on if Tua shows up or if he doesn't show up. Absolutely. Tua, it's on you, bro. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's no excuse, like we said. Um, Colin and Jamar. I know we're running a bit long, so you guys want to just throw in some final thoughts here about Miami and how they're looking and the state of Kansas City's offense? Uh, exciting. Uh, this team got a lot of potential. Uh, it is really exciting uh, to look at what they got on the fit. You know, Tyreek Hill, Tua, uh, just to see what that dynamic duo could probably do. Uh, it's, it's just exciting. You know, as a, I know a couple of Miami Dolphin fans, and they, they've been talking. Uh, they've been real excited. You know, they can't wait, and it's just going crazy right now. So uh, it's just exciting. They got a break. I see a lot of potential and a possibly good, bright future with them. Yeah, I don't think there's really any more much left to say. I mean, I do want to add that next year the Eagles do got a great chance of going for the Super Bowl. Just want to throw that in. Just end the episode, please, Jim. Excuse me. What? Yeah, Colin, what? I'm going to need you to stop it, Brody. I'm going to need you to stop it, man. Hold up, hold up. Why do you always do this, bro? No, no. Why do you always do this? You can't even have said. Kyrie, what fan you is again? I'm completely lost. Bro, I'm an Eagles fan just like oh, you. All right, all right. And that's crazy that you like, switched. Bro, you you, you, you said nothing to take slander. Come on, Jonah, I thought you was an Eagles fan. Man, you switching up, man. Absolutely. But it's fans, it's it's fans like him. It's fans like it's him. Fans like, fans like you. Fans like you, Colin. Fans like you. Come on, Colin. Take us home, bro. All right. Let's listen. I just got to take us home. Just like the Eagles going to take a Super Bowl home next year. Call it. All right. Uh, but that concludes episode 58 of the Restricted Zone podcast. I definitely want to give a big shout-out to my co-host, Jonah. And thanks a lot for 
you know, uh, coming in and mediating. I really appreciate that. You definitely made the episode more electrifying, in my opinion. Hopefully, the listeners listening to this think the same thing. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at RestrictedZonePod. Uh, we are on all streaming platforms. It's free. Regardless of Android or iPhone, you can watch it. Uh, you can follow each and every single one of us individually on Instagram. The link will be inside of the, inside of the whole description below. And, and thanks a lot for tuning in and being patient with us. And we're definitely going to try and be more consistent with episodes. Thank you. 